Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Linda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is, I don't really know what the title of my message today is, but I think it's going to be, what happens when it's you in the bullseye? So, Hurricane Ian is on track to slam into the west coast of Florida if it stays on its current track sometime this week possibly as high as a Category 4 hurricane. That means sustained winds from 130 to 156 miles per hour. Growing up in Tornado Alley, I have seen 100-mile-per-hour winds before, and what they leave behind is not pretty, so a Cat 4 hurricane must look like a lawnmower came through. That's all I can figure. And, you know, we watch on TV... And we see this kind of thing, and I don't have TV, but I watch on the internet sometimes. And we think about the people in in the path of the storms, and we think, oh, they better do this, or they should do that, and blah, blah, and -and so-and-so. But what happens when it's you in the bullseye? What happens when adversity is coming to your door instead of someone else's? Because, you know, that stuff always happens to somebody else, right? It's always somebody else getting the storm or getting the bad diagnosis and whatever. But, you know, eventually... Adversity shows up at all our doors. It doesn't just happen to other people. It just looks like that for a while. And you know, we know because of the time that we live in and because we are so close to the end, we are so close to going home to Jesus, we know that adversity is going to show up in one form or another. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis likened God's use of adversity to walking a dog. If the dog gets its leash wrapped around a pole and tries to continue moving forward, he will only tighten the leash more. Both the dog and the owner are after the same end, which is forward motion, but the owner must resist the dog by pulling him opposite the direction he wants to go. The master, sharing the same intention but understanding better than the dog where he really wants to go, takes an action precisely opposite to that of the dog's will. It is in this way that God uses adversity with us. You know, I have two dogs, and one of my dogs is so easy to walk. And (laughs) the other dog, I don't think, was ever least trained before. She came to be with me, and she is the funniest dog ever. She'll be walking, but she's turning around trying to see what's behind her while she's walking forward, and I've told her so many times, Bambi. You cannot move forward if you're looking at what is behind you. And we need to remember that too, especially since we know that, you know, our world is never going to go back to normal, y'all. We wish that we still had normal days. We wish that we did, but we don't. And we're not going to have those again. So we need to adjust to this because it's going to keep changing from now till the end. And we just need to make the best of it that we can, okay? Because that's something that, you know, something we can't change. Y'all ever hear the serenity prayer? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. The wisdom is to know which is which. So 
Adversity can be the deadliest source of discouragement or the greatest impetus for spiritual growth in the life of a believer. The difference depends upon and is determined by our understanding, attitude, and response to the pressure involved. Why would God allow adversity into the life of a child of God whom he loves? Adversity can be God's way of getting your attention. You know, we all go through those times where, okay, I don't feel like praying today. Okay, I don't want to say my decrees today. Oh, I don't feel like reading the word today. But if you get to where you're doing that a lot and like you're not doing this stuff any of the days, he might, you know, knock on your door and try to get your attention with, you know, some adversity. So watch out for that. We are commanded to love God first. It is his purpose for our focus to be on him and his son. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. That's Colossians 3, 2. We are called to seek God's kingdom first. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6, 33. If we instead focus our life on the world and its standards and priorities, we may invite and accentuate adversity. When we become absorbed in our own personal plans, projects, programs, ambitions, goals, and decisions, Inevitably, problems and pressures arise too large and complicated for us to solve on our own. We need to, you know, remember, we don't want to force God's hand, you know, like that. In order for God to bring out the best in his children, he brings about scenarios in our lives to build strength and character in us. A man told a story about a woman who came to his gym dressed for a real workout. She had on the headband, the wristbands, the water bottle was strapped to her side. I mean, the work. She was decked out for a hard workout. She stepped into a clear area and bent down and did some toe touches to stretch and warm up her muscles. She looked both serious and very determined. She grabbed some dumbbells, walked to a bench, and sat down and began lifting them. She did a couple of bicep curls put the weights down, wiped herself off with the towel, and in an exasperated voice, she said loudly, Whew, that's enough for today. That woman looked the part, but she had not truly gone to the gym for a workout, did she? Many Christians go to church every Sunday looking like they're ready for a workout too. They wear the right clothes, they sing the right songs, and they talk the right talk. But building real strength requires real sweat, in real work. God figures that we will not voluntarily go to a spiritual gym, so he brings the gym to us. Adverse circumstances, cross-bearing situations, difficult scenarios, and problematic encounters all serve as opportunities for our growth as Christians. Everyone has been through hard times at one time or another. Some people seem to live in hard times all the time. And I've been there for years at a time myself. Everything is a struggle, especially if you live in poverty. Everything's a struggle then. Sometimes life can get so bad, it seems like it will never be any other way but hard. And when it comes to adversity, one minute life is going along fine, and then boom, in walks adversity like an unwanted relative. Adversity does not need an invitation. It shows up whenever it feels like it. In no time at all, we feel like we're caught in the middle of a chaotic storm, swirling, trying to get our footing. 
and then bam, another hit lands on us. For some, life is just one storm after another. You wake up in a storm, have a storm for lunch, go to work in a storm. A storm is waiting for you when you get back home. Your kids are in a storm. Your marriage is another storm. Your finances are blown away in a storm. You go to the doctor and get news of another storm on the way. You start to feel crazy like you're on an old McDonald's farm. Here a storm, there a storm, everywhere a storm, storm, right? When we're in storms, we long for peace. When you got a storm raging around you, what you really want is peace. When there's a loud storm going on, I love to make a cup of hot tea and just sit down and talk to the Lord about it. Just some quiet place where we can think and try to find our way out of the storm. I'm going to tell you all something interesting. Anybody who's ever been to visit me, which is not very many people because I stay by to myself, by myself a lot. Uh, because of the kind of work I do, I have to be in solitude a great deal of the time. So even if somebody is living in my house, I'm off in a room somewhere being quiet. But the people who have seen my house <laughs> will tell you there's she don't have any plants. There's no plants in her house. And the reason is because I know I don't have a green thumb. Neither one of my thumbs is green. Well, in 2020, there was a lot of talk starting up in the news about food shortages coming. And I thought, man, I need to learn how to grow vegetables. I need to learn how to grow because I'm not going to raise animals for sure. So I got some vegetable plants and I got some seeds and stuff like that. And I made me this whole bunch of plants. I mean, it looked like it looked like a mini farm inside the house. But I didn't know about soil gnats until then. But um, I said all these I had to set up two four-foot tables to hold all the plants. Because I, I just really wanted to see, can I grow food? If I have to grow food, can I grow food? And I bought grow lights because I'm like, okay, they're not fruiting, they're not flowering, they're not doing anything. So I bought grow lights and put grow lights on them. And they got better, but they still didn't fruit or flower. And I'm like, okay. So I started researching. Did you know that to grow plants indoors, especially from seed, when you're growing something from seed, I'm not talking about plants you buy at the store as much as I'm talking about the ones you grow from seed. In order to grow them indoors, you have to put a fan in front of them. Because if something is not blowing on them, they will not develop any strength in the stem and they will fall over and die. I never heard that before, not being a farmer. I did not know that. If there is no adverse wind blowing against the plants, they will have no strength. And it is the same way with us. If we have no adversity in our lives, we will have no strength. That explains why my mama was so strong and my grandmother. Because that's all they had was adversity. God bless them. May they rest in peace. My poor paternal grandmother had nothing but adversity. Well, actually, my mom didn't either. So, anyway, yeah, you have to put a plant, a, a fan on your plants if you grow them indoors or they won't have any stem strength. And then I remembered all the times when I was a kid and I tried to grow something from a seed and it would get up about two inches tall and then fall over and die, and I didn't know why. I was like, I watered it. What's wrong? That's why. So, I'm sorry I'm posting this podcast late. I preached this at my church this morning. This is Sunday night at 10.46 p.m. And I wanted to give you all a podcast for last week, but I didn't want to put this up. I didn't actually know what I was preaching until last night at midnight. 
I worked on, I think, three other, two or three other sermons before I knew this was the one. And I didn't want to put it up before I preached it at church because people at my church listen to the podcast, so, which is awesome. But I didn't want them to be bored when they were in church. Okay. Here's the good news about adversity and being in the eye of the storm, which is the bullseye. If you know the Lord, he will anchor you even in the biggest storms of your life. And what that means is you will have peace. If you learn how to just lean into the Lord and go, okay, I know you got this. I can't see how this is going to work out, but I know you got it. Because when you put your faith in him, somebody needs to hear this. There's a woman listening to this and you're in a, you're in a tough situation. When you put your faith in him, if you'll just put what you're going through in his lap and go, okay, Lord, I don't know how you can make this work out. I don't see a way out. I don't see a way for this to work. I'm giving it to you. I'm going to trust you. Do something. Let him have it and then let go of it and stop trying to solve it yourself. Because either you're going to work on it or he's going to work on it, but he don't need your help. He don't need your help. There's a poem out on the internet called uh, Broken Toys, I think it's called. And it's about how we bring our broken toys to God. And then we get angry when he didn't fix them. And he says, my child, how could I? You never did let go. I love that poem so much. I need to get a copy of it and put it on my wall. Okay, so we will have the peace that passes all understanding on the inside of us, even when the storm is raging around us and trying its best to scare us. What about the times when we're in a storm because we have made wrong decisions or bad choices? You know, there are times when we make wrong decisions knowing that we are risking things, knowing, you know, the times that you drank and then you drove and things like that. And you knew that you could lose your license and end up in jail and lose your job. But there are times when we choose to make bad choices. We, we're human. We do that. But the word of God is clear in more than one place that if we continually choose the ways and desires of our flesh over the way of God's spirit, that he will give us over to that. If we don't get back in line, he will give us over to it. And, of course, there are always those times when something in our lives is just going haywire, nothing's working out, and we just feel like giving up. Y'all ever have one of those days? Because I've had them. You get up and you just, you're just like, I don't feel like doing the right thing today. I don't feel like doing this, and I don't feel like doing that. And you have to talk yourself down off the ledge, pull it together. I think maybe that's why Galatians 6, 9 is in the Bible. And let us... Not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Remember on those days, those wrong choices can bring really hard consequences in our lives that we may have to live with from now on. If you drive when you're drunk, let's say you miss a stop sign and you cause an accident and someone dies, that's not just a ticket. And you have to live with the consequences and the guilt of that from then on. Every action has a consequence. Y'all forgive my voice. I breathed in a bunch of dirt uh, when my yard was being mowed and I'm paying for it. Every action has a consequence. Good actions tend to have good ones. Bad actions have bad consequences. The difference in maturity and immaturity is a mature person is not so impulsive. They don't just jump out there and go, I'm just going to do this. This is what I feel like doing. I'm going to do it. When you're younger, you kind of don't think about consequences and you just do whatever. But when you're mature, you stop and think, 
okay, is doing this one action worth that risk? Assuming the worst would happen, is this the best course for my life? I have myself many times in the past when I was in severe pain chosen a wrong path. I praise God today because he kept chasing me until I gave him my life. And now, though I do not make a perfect choice every time, I do try not to make wrong decisions that lead to regret. Nobody wants to live a life of regret. And let me tell you, regret is a harsh taskmaster. We choose many times a day which path we will walk. Nobody chooses for you. You choose those, those decisions that you make a thousand times a day. You make a right choice or a wrong choice. And any day that something goes wrong, you could end up on the path to regret if you make a bad choice. You know, we're not always taught these things growing up. Sometimes our parents have not learned themselves and they cannot teach you what they don't know. But how many times did you embark on a path that mom or dad said, don't do that, you're going to regret that, don't do it. How many times did you disregard good advice and stubbornly take the path you wanted to walk on? Because I know I did it a few times. How many times did you just ignore even your own better judgment and take the wrong way? Many times those wrong choices lead us to a life of regret. Years ago, I knew a man through a friend who, when he was in his 20s, he and a group of friends decided to take a trip to New Orleans. I've told this story before on the podcast. They, I think they lived in New Jersey, and they wanted to check out the Big Easy. So they get to New Orleans, and they're bar hopping because it's this guy's birthday. It's his 21st birthday this one night, and when he, he gets into a fight with a young man in the bar. I don't recall him telling anybody what the fight was about, but and, and it may have been over nothing. But when that fight was over, the young man that he fought against lay dead on the floor. Now, that young man that died, you know, he didn't make it home that night. But neither did the other guy. And the guy who had, you know, who had had the birthday, his address is Angola Prison now where he's doing life without. Now, that's an extreme example of one bad choice, you know, a bad choice to get into a fight, to get into an argument with somebody in a bar and get into a fight affected the rest of his life. You know, the devil saw that open door and he brought in the destruction. So many people affected by that one wrong choice. And you know, that other young man, he was just going to the bar that night, you know, for whatever reason. And who knows if he left a a grieving wife or children or dog or family behind, you know, and How many people grieved over that, over the loss of his life, and how many people grieved over the loss of the freedom of the other one? It's affected a lot of people. One bad choice got him that change of address. It doesn't take much, and the devil's not going to miss an opportunity. A wise friend told me once that a lot of people could eliminate 80% of their problems if, if they would just stay out of the bars. I think he's probably right about that. You know, there's a story in Acts chapter 27 where Paul is put on a ship that is transporting prisoners and sent on his way to Rome to stand trial before Augustus Caesar. There were all sorts of challenges on the boat trip getting there because, first of all, it was not the right time to be traveling that route. The route the ship took was supposed to be closed for the winter, so it got pretty gnarly on the way. At the ship, Paul was delivered to a centurion named Julius on whom Paul would end up having a tremendous effect. 
which just goes to show you that God will waste no opportunity if we are usable, if we are willing. And you know, there are people in the church that are willing as long as they don't have to give up anything to be used. It is rare you will ever be used by God and not have to give up something. Can I just tell you that? The Lord gave me a couple of prophetic messages when I was writing this, and uh, I'm going to give them again. They may have been for some people in my church. They may be for some of you, so I'm going to give them anyway. Um, there are people in the church who say they want to be used, and somebody has been asking the Lord, Lord, why not me? Why aren't you using me? But the Lord says your life is a mess. It is one mess after another, one disaster after another. And most of it is of your own making. Let me tell you something. And this is a word for you. You're a female. You cannot go around getting into strife, lying and manipulating and expect God to be able to use you. Why would he use you for anything when you are so clearly already working for the enemy, for his enemy? You need to repent before it's too late. If you want to be used by God, allow yourself to be refined into a vessel fit for the master's use and make a decision whether you're going to be on his side or Satan's side because you cannot keep serving two masters. What will happen if you do is the Lord will give you over to Satan's side by default if you do not actively choose God's side and come out of that sin right now. So as they say, pick a side and stick to it. Get off the fence. You are not helping anyone claiming to belong to Christ and then acting like the devil. I remember before I was a believer, I remember visiting a church and seeing that and being so confused. I remember being so confused out in the world, seeing people that claim to be Christians who lived like Satan. And I didn't know what to think because I wasn't a Christian. I didn't know. I was like, I knew that what they were doing was wrong. And yet what was coming out of their mouth, they were acting like they were Christians. That is very confusing to unbelievers, and God takes that very seriously, especially now. You don't want to be caught in that by him. You don't. I'm telling you. He will give you over to it. And the other thing that will happen is as the sin nature in you increases because you're not fighting it, you will fall into temptation and get into sin, and then you will miss the revival and any blessings that come with that that's about to start up. God's final harvest revival. Okay, moving right along. So here is the Apostle Paul on this prisoner ship handed over to the centurion on their way on a route that should not be traveled in winter, and it was winter, and they hit a storm. As they sailed, they suddenly could not see the sun or the stars, and that was how they navigated back then, so they ended up lost. And you know, we are supposed to navigate our lives by the Word of God. Anytime we lose sight of His Word or stay out of it, or just, you know, we're too busy with, you know, doing this and doing that. And remember, too, the holidays are coming. So if you're not doing it now, you're sure not going to do it then when you're trying to buy Christmas gifts and all that. Anytime we lose sight of his word, we will start getting lost, too. Y'all need to hear me on this. We are entering a time of great danger. It is very perilous for Christians, and it is going to get a lot worse. We need his word. We need our time with him. What's going to happen is going to happen. But he can protect us from so much. If something happens to us, he can cause us not to feel any pain. But we need to spend our time with him and in his word. So Paul and his comrades are lost in a storm and not feeling too happy about it, I can imagine. 
and there's somebody listening to me that you feel lost in your situation. You feel trapped like those men on the boat felt, like you're being taken someplace you don't want to go, but you feel helpless to stop what is happening. And the Lord says to tell you, woman of God, that he is about to open a door for you to escape that situation. He says, when it opens, go quickly. Do not hesitate or it will close on you. He says, watch me show you how mighty I am. I am the great I am. Watch me work on your behalf. Go through that door when it opens. Go quickly. Don't hesitate. You know, anytime you lose your way, you can follow the king and find your way back out. That's all you got to do. Back to Paul's situation. In an effort to stabilize the ship, the, the crew threw out four anchors. An anchor is a heavy instrument that's used by fishermen to stop a ship, hold it still, or stabilize it, immobilizing it where it is. The anchor seeks a firm foundation on the bottom of the sea. But if that foundation is weak, the anchor won't do much good. And Jesus is our anchor, by the way. So they cast their anchors, and their anchors went down, but Paul cast his anchor, and his anchor went up. As Christians, our anchors do not go down. If they did, they would pull us deeper into our situations. But our anchors go up because our foundation is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the anointed Messiah. But many in the body of Christ are anchored to the wrong things. Wrong husbands, wrong relationships, wrong wives, wrong careers, wrong town, wrong friends, wrong behaviors. We live in perilous times, y'all. America is under God's judgment. And he will judge the other nations too. It's just America's probably top of the list. And when he drops that hammer on us, it is not going to be pretty. The Lord told me years ago, I want to say it was 2016, that the end time stuff will happen in my generation. And that was very disconcerting when he said that. Disasters and judgment are coming, whether we like it or not. We can face it knowing it's coming. We can put our heads in the sand and pretend it's not coming. Or we can know it is coming and prepare the best way we know for. Which way will you choose? You know, a lot of people say, oh, we can't be under judgment because of Jesus. Let me tell you something. People are saved from judgment by their faith in Jesus. People are, but nations are not. The Bible says nations that forget God will be turned into hell. And there is no question America has forgotten God. The U.S. has forgotten God and has become a nation of whoredoms. Anything goes in the U.S. and to our eternal shame, everybody else in the world knows it because we actually promote it. It's disgusting. It's my country, but it's still disgusting. The bottom line is adversity is coming for all of us. If Jesus don't call us home soon, what are you going to do when it shows up? Let me offer some suggestions. Number one, identify the storm you are in. You can't address a situation if you don't know what your situation is. Number two, pray for strength, wisdom, and courage. Number three, go to the word of God and find some scriptures to stand on for whatever it is you need while you're in that storm. Number four, remember you will only have the strength to focus on one battle at a time. Choose your battles carefully. Number five, do not get into manipulation and control, trying to control the outcome. That's not your job. This opens up spiritual doors to mental problems because it is witchcraft. 
in the end, Paul and his comrades were shipwrecked, but they were saved because Paul knew how to pray and who to pray to. And Paul was safe the whole time because God was sending him where he was going. And so the other men that were helping sail the ship were safe the whole time because they had to get him there, but they didn't know that. I want to read you a cute shipwreck illustration. There was a shipwreck at night once caused by a mighty storm. A boy on the ship was taken away by the waves. He eventually came to rest on a rock. He stayed on the rock all night, shivering in the cold storm. And a rescue crew finally found him the next morning. They asked him, weren't you scared? Didn't the storm cause you to tremble with fear? The boy answered, yes, I was scared. I shook all night long, but the rock didn't. I love that. Whatever storm you are facing, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God goes with you, and he will keep you in all of your ways. Whatever comes, he is your anchor, he is your refuge, and your fortress, if you walk closely with him. That's all I have for y'all this week. I hope that's a help to you. I'm sorry that I'm late getting it out. Jesus bless you. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas, 72539 or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? You may have entered the wilderness. Wilderness experiences are oftentimes of great discomfort and lack. Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glenda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook. Have you heard? The 2016 and 2017 messages have been published in book form. Even those who do not profess a belief in God can see something is amiss in the world around us. What is coming for our world in these last days? What does the Lord want us doing while we're waiting for His glorious reappearance? Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night each contain approximately 200 prophetic messages and visions from the throne room of God telling what is coming to America and the world in these end times. 
The Lord has always warned nations when they were headed for destruction. He has always warned His own people. Are we also being warned? Get your copy of Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night, available now on Amazon.com.